Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We have to look at money as a gender-based issue when it comes to women. It's important that we know exactly what is going on because if things were to ever go left, we stand to lose more. And that's another huge misconception about divorce and marriages is that women always walk away with the winning ticket. And that's just not the case. Asking deeper questions, even to go as far as what role did your parents play in your finances? What was your experience like with your father or your mother with money? Because so many of those experiences shape how a partner may see you with money. So many deeper questions that we really have to dive into than just the basic stuff. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and you are listening to episode 132, How to Maintain Your Financial Independence in a Relationship with Daisha Kennedy, better known as the Broke Black Girl. Daisha Kennedy is the creator of the award-winning financial advocacy group, The Broke Black Girl. She is a millennial financial coach whose no BS real talk coaching and strategies 
are helping women of color get ahead. By no means is she ashamed of her past financial struggles. In fact, she's completely embraced it. After a tough life event made her realize how financially unprepared she was, Daisha began sharing her own journey towards financial success on Facebook. The Broke Black Girl Facebook group launched in November 2017, and it focuses on the financial struggles facing young women of color who have often been overlooked in the traditional conversations around personal finance. Within a year, the group skyrocketed to over 70,000 women. As a digital community leader and financial activist, she provides culturally competent and relevant financial literacy resources for over 70,000 African-American women to combat the racial and gender wealth gap. I cannot wait for y'all to hear this conversation because honestly, I think it's a topic that we just don't talk about enough as women. Many of us grow up in homes where the women default all of the money conversations to their partners or to the men in their lives. And as a result, they can end up giving up a lot of financial freedom and stability and security. And I don't want to continue to see us going down that same path. There is no reason for us as women to forego our own financial independence, even if you're in a relationship. Ladies, you still need to have your own bag because so many things can happen and you definitely want to be able to have the option to walk away when a relationship is just no longer serving you and maintaining your financial independence is totally, totally going to help you get there. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. We're going to give you lots of practical tips to make sure you can always count on yourself financially if shit hits the fan in your relationship. We never want to think something could happen We want to be married forever and live happily ever after, but, uh, you know, got to have a plan in case it doesn't work out that way. So stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Daisha, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so let's start off with an introduction to who you are and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, of course, my name is Daisha Kennedy and I am a financial activist and the creator of The Broke Black Girl, a platform that I started in 2017 that focuses on providing culturally relevant financial literacy resources to African-American women. I love that. Now, I have a question for you. Do you ever get some pushback on labeling yourself the broke black girl? Because I feel like the word broke triggers a lot of people to feel a lot of things. 
It does. In 2017, it was not well received, but I did not budge because the name, I think in many cases, is necessary not to glorify being broke, but to bring awareness to it that it actually does happen. People are And I think creating a space where people felt comfortable saying I did make some financial mistakes that ultimately led to me being broke. I do need a space where I can admit that and then get the help that I need instead of acting like it doesn't exist. So I do get some pushback, but I do believe that it's necessary because there are people who can connect to that. Not to say they have to stay there, but that it is real. Broke people exist. Like there's no way to flip it. They do exist. And I create content for people who to meet them where they are. And then the second part to that is this. My experience with money, it went beyond being broke. I had a different experience with money as a black woman, as a black person, and all of the things that centered around that in terms of finances, it went beyond just broke. So for me, it's like to bring awareness to being black and broke in a sense and what that whole journey looked like for me so yes I got some pushback but I'm a tough girl I don't let up (laughs) I love it and I love that you standing firm in what you believe in and the content that you put out is very much different from a lot of what I see on the internet because you are just you're not trying to I don't know like shame people into like this is why you're in this situation. And I feel like so much of personal finance mainstream is about that. It's just about making people feel like shit because it's their fault. And I promise you, if you do a little bit of research and you learn about systemic racism, you might find out that the answer is not that simple. So it's let's just not. put that out there. <laughs> it's not. And I think that's why even as, as my brand has continued to grow and my finances, of course, have improved, I have not changed the name because I will get that. People will say, hey, you're not broke anymore. Why is that still your name? And for me, it's because if I don't hold this space, if I'm judging by how personal finance is right now, who's going to hold the space? Who's going to make people feel comfortable with starting at the bare basics, which people are. And I feel like they need a voice and I have no problem being that voice. And because for me, the way that I see it is if I can get them started, if I can get them comfortable with saying, this is where I'm at, this is the help I need. It may not look like what someone else is doing. It may not be the popular topics, but this is where I'm at. I feel like I'm doing the finance industry a service because once I am able to help them, and they can move on to the next trending and popular topics because they'll feel more confident to do so. Yeah, I love that perspective. Okay, so was this always part of your vision, like being out here, being a spokesperson for women who need uplifting with their finances? Or like, what was your career path? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I wanted to be a journalist. Like I wanted to be a writer and that was all that I ever wanted to do. But at 19, I got a job in personal finance and it opened my eyes up to a whole new world, something that I was never introduced to. I didn't grow up in a household where we talked about finances and money. So now I'm 19, I'm young and I'm fresh and I'm hearing all of these terms and all of these words. And I was like, what? This is like something 
so new. And then when I would have to work with clients, African-American women, that was the majority of my clients, when I was hearing that it was so much that they did not know, terms that they they didn't understand. And because I was working for a company, I couldn't be honest and say, well, yeah, this is what they want me to say, but this is what this really means and, and really helped how I felt I could have. So that kind of shifted things for me. I saw that there was an avenue for me to really get in and be a service to people who look like me versus working for an institution. And you have to stick to the script and say what works for them and makes them money. Now I can put myself in a position to really help more people. So that's when my career took a pivot. So I'm curious about your origin story, because one of the things that you talk about a lot is the impact of divorce on women. What's your personal experience with this uh, scenario? I didn't grow up in a household where my family talked about money. My mom and my dad, they were together until I was 11. But even then, I witnessed my mom's journey with personal finance and the things that she had to do after her and my dad split. Now, don't get me wrong. My father was an amazing father. He helped financially. He played his part. But just me being in the house with my mom and seeing how everything shifted for her financially, that was my first experience. Experience. And then I got married very young and I got divorced almost a year later. Like we got married in September. I filed for divorce in January. Some people that was like, you know, wow, that was so fast. But when, when you're young, there's a lot that you you don't know. And talking about money and getting on the same page financially was just not something we ever discussed. So I spent my entire relationship, then short marriage, avoiding financial conversations, not talking about money, only to be forced to talk about it during our divorce in court. Yeah, not the best way to start bringing up such an important topic, right? It's not. It's not. And you know, I think that if I would have knew better, it could have been so many different ways that I could have approached the conversation. I could even asked about certain things while we were dating that probably would have called the marriage off, but I didn't know. And so I talk about it so much and I'm so transparent about it because I know that it's helpful. It, it may sting and some of it is hurtful to hear, but I use my story as a learning experience for other people. Yeah. So I'm curious, like I've heard of the fact that like women's financial security tends to decrease when they get divorced versus men who tend to actually be better off when they're divorced, which I'm just like, wow. Okay. So on top of the pay gap, on top of the wealth gap, top of all that shit, now we got the divorce gap that of course affects women. Like we don't need, like we don't have enough on our plates. Um, I'm curious how the divorce impacted you financially and kind of what, what was it that helped you turn your situation around? So one of the things that I learned very quickly um, while we were going through the divorce is although we didn't talk about money while we were together and we didn't technically combine our finances, we had a combined financial life. There were things that I was financially depending on him to do, although I didn't pay attention to it. It was just happening, but we did have a combined financial life. And so when we got divorced, well, really when we separated, because that's another thing, people think that the financial impact starts once the divorce papers are signed. 
we separated in January and immediately the impact I started to experience it because I was dependent on him to help with things like childcare, transportation, majority of the bills. So when he was no longer in the house, I now have to figure out how am I going to survive with still all of the same expenses that two people were once responsible for to now it's just me with one person. Because when we were separated, we weren't speaking. He wasn't immediately thrilled to help in the house or do anything like that. So it was almost immediately. So this is why in a lot of my content, you will hear me push for women, never take the back seat to your finances, no matter what's happening, no matter how much money your guy has or your partner has, stay involved. Because just like that, I went from a two income household to a one income household with all of the same expenses. Yeah, that's a really important point. Now, what are some of the questions that you, knowing what you know now, should have been asking when y'all were dating? This is the thing, because (laughs) a lot of people think that, no, serious, like a lot of people think those soft questions like, are you a spender? Are you a saver? I don't care to ask stuff like that. I want to know immediately what our joint life is going to look like financially. And I really wish that I would have asked, how would the finances be combined once we you know, are married? Do you want a separate account, joint accounts? Who is going to pay the bills each month? Like whose physical account is it going to come out of and who's going to be physically responsible for sitting down and actually getting it done? Do you have any debts? If so, what's the plan? What are all of your sources of income, job history? Those things matter. And I know sometimes people feel like that they may be intrusive, but they matter so much because even with job history, that was an issue with us that I really did not pay attention to until we had a combined financial life. So it's so many deeper questions than just, or you a spender or a saver. Like it's okay to dive deep, especially if I'm going to put my livelihood, livelihood being my finances in the hands of someone else or join it with someone else in so many ways. There's more deeper questions than just, do you overspend at Chick-fil-A? Like I need to know more. I need to know more. <laughs> We need to know so much more, y'all. Like y'all need to be asking for, if it was me, cause you know, I'm Latina. So I'm like a amateur FBI agent. Like I'm gonna need your social security number, sir. Cause I'm gonna need to do a background check. Like I need to know your credit score. I need to know these things and best believe, like I know all that shit, but my husband doesn't know anything and it's fine. Like we're all right, you know? <laughs> And I think that that's important, too, that even with you saying, you know, all of those things and your husband doesn't know as much, that's key because we have to look at money as a gender based issue when it comes to women. Like, it's important that we know exactly what is going on, because if things were to ever go left, we stand to lose more. And that's another huge misconception about divorce and marriages is that women always walk away with the winning ticket. And that's just not the case. So asking deeper questions, even to go as far as what role did your parents play in your finances? What was your experience like with your father or your mother with money? Because so many of those experiences shape how a man or your partner may see you or see a woman with money. It's so many deeper questions that we really have to dive into than just the basic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you find yourself getting divorced, having now your income cut in half. How do you get 
past something like that, right? That can be the thing that sets somebody up for financial ruin. Yes. The first thing didn't cost me any money. It was priceless. I cried. I had to accept where I was at. I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't act like it didn't exist. It was real. So I did cry, but it wasn't a a boo-hoo, whoa, pity me cry. It was like, this is what it is now. I'm going to put my chin up. I'm going to move forward. I've cried about it. Now I got to do the work. So the first thing that I did was I accepted it for what it was. I had one source of income now, and I really had to sit down with myself and figure out what my financial life was going to look like now. So there was a lot of things that I would not have like to do that I had to do. I had to adjust my lifestyle. I had to downsize in certain areas. At the time I had to work more hours, which meant my daycare payments increased. So I had to make some real adjustments with my finances. But in the end, it, it, it was it was necessary because one of the things that I learned about women in marriage is that when we are deciding to leave finances and how we're going to survive outside of that household is the number one thing that will let us know if we're going to stay or go. And I didn't want that to be me. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why people also, unfortunately, most of the time have to stay in abusive relationships, right? Financial abuse is something when somebody has that power over you, it can quickly become a toxic situation. Yes, very quickly. And it happens almost overnight. You will think like, I'm playing the role that society says that a woman should play. I am taking care of the household. I'm taking care of the children. I'm cooking and I'm cleaning. And all while things are going on with the money and you have no idea of what's in the bank account, what the savings accounts look like, any investment accounts, retirement accounts, what the money is doing behind your back, you have no clue. So it's something like this happens, you've only been focused on getting through the day. You've only been focused on, okay, we have a place to live. We have cars. That's the bare minimum. So now what happens when the money that technically in most cases belongs to the man, if the woman is not bringing in the income and doesn't know what's going on, what happens if you have to go? You have no safety net. And that's what money is for women. It's a safety net for us. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things I would tell people is like, it doesn't matter if you are alone, if you are dating somebody, if you were living with somebody, if you are married, you still need to have your own pot of money that has nothing to do with your partner. And I think I get a lot of like, I get pushback from married people because they're just like, oh, but you know, you're being one, you're joining forces, everything is together. And I'm just like, Yeah, like that's the goal. But 50% of the time, that's just not realistic. That's not what's going to happen. So why do you think we should retain at least some sort of financial independence, even when we're in a relationship? But exactly the reason that you said it's not realistic. We have to look at facts over feelings. Facts being most marriages do in divorce. Facts being that younger people, millennials and Gen Z, they're not getting married as quickly as the older generation has or did. Facts being a lot of women over 50 are entering into what is called a gray divorce where they are finally getting a divorce for marriages that they were not happy in probably wanted to leave for years, but they had children or they had to wait until they felt financially stable enough to make those decisions. I see this every day and the story has been the same 
for decades. So it is equally important for us as women to hold on to some type of financial independence, regardless of our relationship status. And again, I look at money as a gender-based issue. We always discuss, and you see on social media, how women or how women have different experiences with money and all of the barriers that we encounter. I need my husband or my future husband or my partner to understand why this is important to me. It's not a matter of ego. It's not a matter of distrust. It is a matter of my survival in this country as a woman. Oh, that is super powerful. But I also feel like uh, some men just can't handle that conversation because it would immediately go to like, what, you don't trust me? You're going to start off a relationship like that? What are your thoughts is if that's the kind of pushback that you're getting from your partner? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. You, you want me to be honest? I want you to be honest, bro. That's all we do here. That's all we do. If I get that type of pushback to me, that's an immediate red flag because the way that I receive that is you are putting your ego and your feelings over the facts that are centered around my being. There's no negotiation there. I think that we have to be honest. What a lot of people did 10, 20, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 
was out of survival. It was not because that was what a lot of women wanted to do. When we look at the facts and we look at it wasn't until the 1970s that a woman could get access to her own line of credit that we know credit is very essential to women because we use that as a tool to build wealth because we are paid less. So that is a necessity to us. So knowing that we didn't get access to that into the 1970s, we have to look at the facts. There's no reason for us to see this as a distrust issue. It's not a matter of distrust. We have to pay attention to history and know that a woman, a woman's experience with money while married is going to be very different than a man's experience with money. And I think that society as a whole has crafted the conversation about women and money and marriage in such a negative way that it makes most women feel that if they even speak up and be adamant about what they need financially, then they're going to be seen as a gold digger or, or something negative. And I think there's so many barriers that are centered around that conversation that most women won't even engage. But I feel like we are trying to equip more women with tools and resources to lead those conversations with their partners. Absolutely, y'all. Like if you really think about it, your mothers probably are from the generation that just saw those changes start to go into effect where women could first get their, you know, line of credit, could get a bank account without having a man on it. Like this is not that long ago. Okay. This is my mom's generation. And so knowing that we have more financial power than we've ever had, we're still making up for generations oppression. And I think it's almost our duty to stand up for the women who could not. Yes. That is exactly, that is exactly how I look at that. And that is exactly why I encourage women to take advantage of the resources and the tools that are available to us, because there are a lot of women, unfortunately, who did not get to experience that. And for us now having access to that, it's no excuse. I'm not going to be pushed over by some oh, I, I don't think that that's right. You don't trust me. Do you just want me for my money? I'm not going to be pushed around with, with words. I'm going to pay attention to facts. And the fact of the matter being is that it is important for women to have some type of control of their own money that does not involve anyone else, regardless of their relationship status. I love that. Now, do you tell your partner that you're doing this or do you just do it on your own and it's another damn business? So, okay, so I'm never going to openly say hide anything because I, I don't, in so many ways, I don't believe in that, but I do believe in having open, honest, transparent conversations because again, if I have to hide what I feel like is a necessity for me to survive, then we have deeper conversations that we need to have and it's not just about money. But I encourage women to have open and honest, transparent conversations about the money that they have, the money that they're going to put to the side that's only for them. So that's one part of the conversation. And then on the other side of the conversation, I'm going to encourage women to do whatever they feel they need to do to protect themselves financially. And they can fill in the gap and do with it as, as they wish. I love that, y'all. You can decide however you want to interpret that last part. Yes. And, but I'm so here for it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I think another big stigma in our communities, both the Latinx and the African-American community is the discussions around prenups, like, oh my God, you're already planning to get divorced. Like we can't talk about this stuff. What's your thoughts? Does everybody need a prenup? 
Yeah, I am pro prenups. I, I'm pro prenups. I don't care if you have $10 or if you have $10 million. I am pro prenups. And I say that because I was 25 the first time I realized that women could initiate prenups because everything that I saw on TV, I've read, I saw online, I saw in a movie was always men initiating prenups who had money and they were presenting these prenups to women to say, prove to me you want me just for me, not my money. So that alone, now that I know better, I know that prenups are beneficial. I am pro prenups. I think that women should invest in them. Women should consider them. And again, we need to focus on having conversations that are rooted in facts, not feelings. Feelings being, you don't trust me. You think that I just want you for your money. No, women are leading in education. They're leading in business. And I am seeing every day that I wake up, there is a new woman becoming a millionaire, if not billionaire. Like this is happening. You have assets. You have dreams to protect. And another thing that I always encourage is if I get married again, I'm coming in with two children that are not going to be biologically my next husband's children. That doesn't mean that I think he's going to treat them any different. It doesn't mean that I think that he's going to treat them any less. But what that does mean is those two children that I am coming with, they belong to me. I am financially responsible for them. And that means protecting money and assets that were due to them well before I got married. I am pro prenups. I'm so here for it. I'm so glad to hear you say that because it's still a very much stigmatized conversation. But I promise y'all, like, we have to reframe how marriage works because it's not the same thing that you saw growing up. Like, my mom was married by 21, two kids by 26. Like, I can't even imagine having that level of responsibility in my 20s let alone making these life-changing decisions about who you're going to be with, you know, who you're going to start a family with. And granted, they didn't have anything. So it's not like they had any assets to protect. But when you are out here going to school, you're making money, you're buying real estate, you have investment accounts, you got multiple bank accounts, you have wealth, you got to protect that shit. Because the moment that you get married, if there's nothing in place, guess what? It's community property. Like it don't matter. <laughs> yes. And I don't think people consider that too. Like, even if you don't have a prenup that you physically went and got, you are still bound by laws of your, of your state. So something's going to happen either way. I would rather it be you getting ahead of that and having more of a say in it instead of the courts or your state deciding what's going to happen. But another way that I encourage women to frame conversations around prenup, especially when you are presenting it to your partner, is it's not always about protecting protecting your assets and your money from your partner in the event that something goes bad. Sometimes I may need to protect my partner from me because on the other side of that, there may be assets and money that he actually is due. But if there's not anything there, I would hope in 10, 15 years, I'm still an amazing person with a kind heart. But it's, the future is unpredictable. Who knows what may happen? Who knows what's going to happen in that courtroom when you're sitting across from someone with a broken heart? So the way that you present it is to say this is to protect us, not only me, but you as well. So I think when we reframe conversations around prenups and marriage and money as to this is best for the both of us 
although as women, we know why it's important for us, but the fact that if we are whole and we're a well and we are protected, it protects our union. So it's not always us working against our partner because we want these things. What works for us works for the union. I love that perspective. And I think that's a great way to frame it. Okay. So I'm obsessed with this concept of financial self-care, especially for women, because I feel like there's so much emphasis on like, go to the gym, go get a massage, go to the spa, da, da, da. But there are things that we can also be doing with our money to take care of ourselves and make sure that we are good now and in the future. What does that look like for you? For me, when I think of financial self-care, The first thing that comes to mind is always advocating for myself to get paid what I'm worth. Like that's immediate because if I'm getting paid what I'm worth and I'm getting paid fairly and I'm getting my checks on time, then that eliminates a huge stress for me. I'm not worried about bills. I'm not chasing a check to make sure, oh, we can we can pay rent or I can pay my son's tuition. So advocating for myself and although that sounds like work, but for me, that is financial self-care because if I'm making sure I'm getting what's due to me and I'm getting what's due to me on time, it eliminates a whole host of other stressors that finances bring on. So for me, when I think of financial self-care is making sure that I'm getting my money, that my money is in my account and it gives me my time back. When when I think of financial self-care and I think of indulging in luxuries, it's me getting my time back. It's me being able to buy my time back. So if I have to hire someone, um, a house cleaner or a chef or a driver, even if it's for a short amount of time, I've been able to buy my time back and I'm able to afford to buy my time back because I'm making sure I'm getting paid when I'm supposed to get paid. And then I can relax. I can sit down and I can rest. That's what financial self-care sounds like and looks like for me. Can I just like, we need a round of applause for that because honestly, like women, we are wasting so much time taking care of everybody else and not prioritizing ourselves and just normalizing this idea that you must prioritize yourself in order to be the best version of you for everybody else. It is not selfish. It is not, it's not wrong. It is something that is essential if we are going to thrive. Yeah. And you know what? The other day someone asked me, they said, do you budget in time uh, for yourself as a mom? And my response to them was, no, I don't budget in time for myself as a mom. I budget in time for myself as a woman because being a mother is not what defines me. And when I need to replenish my cup, it can't only be centered around who I am to someone else, my children included. And I love my children. I I love taking care of my children, but I understand the importance of replenishing my cup as a woman only, because then and only then can I go forth and give them what they need. So when I think of financial self-care, all of that is included. It's me prioritizing what I need so that I can go out and be the most productive that I need to be in all spaces. It is not selfish at all. If you need to do something or or buy your time back by outsourcing someone to cook for the family, you clean it, you know, the house, you need to take a few days off. That's not selfish. It's not lazy. It is a necessity. And there's nothing wrong with financially investing in that. You heard it here, y'all. That's the endorsement that you were looking for. It's right there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I love that you were able to turn what I'm sure was a very painful experience into 
now what fuels you and your mission and your business. So how did the Broke Black Girl come to be? Like, how did you actually start off your business and what has it grown into? Oh, wow. I started this back in 2017 and it just started as a Facebook group. I had no idea or even a vibe to want to turn it into anything outside of an online space. Even then, I didn't consider myself to be a financial activist. I grew into this. I just wanted to create a space where African-American women can come together and discuss finances without feeling shamed or judged. And granted, it did exactly that. But what happened was over a course of months, we went from one member to 30,000, to 40,000, to 5,000. And it just continued to grow. And I still didn't see it as a business. But one thing that I've always been keen about is being properly paid for my time. And so I wasn't making any money from the work that I was doing. I was doing a service I felt to my community. But then outside of my online community, the demand for me became very high. So people were reaching out to me, asking me to teach on their platforms or at their institutions. And then I was getting compensated from that. And it got to the point where I'm being asked to do this so much, I was losing money by having to go to work. So I started the group in November 2017. By August 2018, I had quit my full-time job and I went into leading the broke black girl full-time. So what it has now turned into, I'm able to operate as a financial activist full-time. And this is what I do, sun up, sundown. And I love what I do. It is not something that I would trade for the world. And I say that to say a lot of people, you probably are doing something that's probably going to turn into your thing. It may not look like that. It may just seem like You know, you're doing a service to your community or you're trying to give back. But one thing that I learned was I started the Broke Black Girl to solve a problem. And that problem ended up serving me financially. And I have not looked back since. That is so inspiring. And I hope that y'all heard that, like turning your pain, your transformation, your story into your purpose and that becoming a business like that is what both of us have done, honestly. And that's what so many content creators that you might follow on social media have done. It's just understanding how what you have learned through your experiences can translate into some process, some formula, some tool that people can then use to be able to replicate your success or whatever version of success they're looking for. Yes, I agree. And and, and I think that one thing that I tell myself is that I always chased in the beginning, I chased my passion and my purpose, and I have not missed a paycheck. Like That's like a thing that I tell myself every day. As long as I'm chasing my passion and my purpose, I'm not going to miss a paycheck. And I haven't. A lot of people who are content creators, or even in the personal finance space, there's only so many different ways that you can say, this is how you invest. This is how you create you know, a budget. There's only so many different ways that you can say that before we're all saying the same thing. But what makes us all different is the transparency of our our story and us using our pain or our experiences to prevent other people from doing that same thing. And we've been able to build platforms and business off of that. And I think that there's so much there for someone who may find themselves in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. 
All right, Daisha, I want to know what is your advice for somebody who's ready to get control of their finances, but is overwhelmed with where to start? Okay. Well, first thing first, finances are very overwhelming. I think that a lot of us try to do everything at once and you do not have to do everything at once. You don't have to solve everything that's wrong with your finances at one time. A lot of my content focuses on momentum over math. So you will see me talk about small, actionable, transformative steps that a person can take to getting back in control with their money or even just getting getting familiar with their money. The very first thing that I always recommend to anyone, this is going to take some self-awareness and some self-accountability, but you are going to have to sit down and have an intimate experience with your money. And when I think of intimacy or what intimate means, it means closeness to get familiar, to get involved with your money. So the first thing is going to be to get an understanding of What type of income do you have? What type of expenses do you have? That's where you start. That's where you build the foundation. I think in most cases, people want to run right to the big ticket money making things like, oh, building credit and using credit to build wealth and investing and immediately paying off all of their debt. That's not going to be everyone's story. That's just being honest. And even with those stories, they started somewhere, even if it was starting small. So if you consider having that intimate experience with your money small, it's necessary. So sitting down and getting a real understanding of what type of financial habits do you have? What type of spending are you doing? What type of income do you have coming in? It seems cliche because you probably hear that all the time, but that is the starting point. Yeah. I love that advice. Daisha, the work that you do is so important and I want folks to find out so much more about you, follow your journey, join your community. Where can they do that? Yes. So across all social media platforms, it is at the broke black girl. That's my website, thebrokeblackgirl.com. That's me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And just for so folks know, like what exactly can they work with you on when it comes to their financial situations? Yes. So right now I do have a program called Momentum Over Math. And what we are focusing on is eliminating debt using small, actionable steps. So if you're interested in joining there, I am working with people in a group setting and I do have some one-on-one coaching programs available as well. All of that is in my bio on Instagram and my website, thebrokeblackgirl.com. And what we're going to focus on is getting you started. We focus on the basics. The basics are important so that you can build security with everything else. I love it. And I love what you do. I love your realness. And I love the fact that you are empowering us to be unapologetic about earning what we deserve, advocating for ourselves and not letting the patriarchy continue to mess with our money because we're done with that shit. Yeah, it's done. It's over. I think like right now it's over. I really think like it's a new day for women and I'm glad to be a part of it. I thank you so much. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer